This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners. How are you today? I am hyped up, ready to get with you on this program because you have turned into another episode of Agency Intelligence, where we bring in real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence, not the artificial intelligence the industry tries to make you believe. And ironic enough, when we found that slogan and we used that for agency intelligence, you really, we didn't at the time, realize how much that was going to fit in to what we are talking about today. I'm glad you turned in. I'm Jason Cass, and I'm really excited to uh, be with you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to Agency Intelligence. This is where we talk about things going on inside of an agency. We get real. Uh, the other one you ha- might have out there on the news feed is Agents Influence Jason with J- uh, Conversations with Jason Cass. And that's when we talk to people outside the industry. A lot of loyal listeners are listening to this right now saying, Jason, why'd you open up that way? And here's the reason. I'll get, let you know. You guys are doing a good job of telling people us uh, about us out there. And our downloads are steadily creeping up. Just keep going, keep going. On an average, we get around 120 to around 150 people. Uh, it really does depend on the month that listen to this podcast every day. So that's pretty cool. Sometimes we get up around 300. Sometimes we're around 50. So it just all depends. But overall, we've got a solid following out there. And if you can do anything to help, you say, Jason, you give your time. Jason, you give your of your money. What can we do? What you can do is you can think of one agent that you know and send them this podcast. This is going to be the podcast to send them because it's going to get them thinking and it's going to realize as a loyal listener, they're going to start to realize why you're smarter than them. They're going to start to realize like, hey, maybe I should start turning it, tuning into this agency intelligence as well. And the reason why today is huge is it's going to be a solo podcast. So today I'm the real agent inside a real agency and I am going to give you the real agency intelligence, because today what we are going to talk about are we are going to talk about three little lies that hide the big truths of insurance. Now, here's what it's got. I've got an article about the time this podcast is coming out. The article should be posted or is about ready to be posted on the um, AI blog. You can go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com, insuranceagencyintelligence.com. You can find everything there. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find out about our mastermind members. You can look at our mastermind members and see who's in our mastermind group. You can even find about our Total CSR course that we partnered with uh, Total CSR on on the Commercial Lines Producer and Sales course. You can click right up there up on the top uh, right of the header up there and you'll be able to see that. Our members area to our mastermind, all that stuff is right there. Okay, 
But here's the thing. You can also, you're going to find that there's going to be a new one for our blog because we're really rolling out our blog. I've got some exciting things for all you loyal listeners. You're going to start to notice we have somebody who has joined our agent, who has joined agency intelligence. Going to be another voice out there. She has her own agency. She has her, uh, her her own staff. She has her own things that she deals with on a daily basis, just like me, and she's going to keep it that way. But she's going to come in and be a voice because she's already a voice in this industry. And we kind of got together, started doing some talking, and we kind of realized that things were pretty compatible. And uh, so we're going to give it a go. Um, just stay tuned to that. Stay tuned to that. But the thing is, is that as I'm out there, And I am traveling around the country and I'm talking to people and I'm finding out different things every day so that I can bring them into your ear. There's one of the things, there's there's a couple little things that I've just always been told, right? I've just always been told these things. You've always been told these things from people that we look up to um, as agency owners that we all strive to be or agents and who we strive to be, or successful um, executives, or carriers, or reps, someone has told us these lies. And it's not that they just blatantly said, this is the way it is. But it's one of those things that you just hear, and it sticks, and then you hear it again a couple weeks later, a month later, and it sticks. And after a couple years of hearing it four or five times, it just kind of starts to become you, right? It's just the way that we are as humans in anything that we are around. We just become it. It was really funny. I used to live in Texas when I was little. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, moved to Texas. And then when my dad got a job at Boeing, we had to move to Washington. And every time I was there, uh, I remember when I was like in fourth grade, everybody always thought that I was from Australia. They would say to me, they'd be like, where are you from? Because I had lived in Texas only for like four years, but yet I was talking like I had a real strong draw. And there's some of you listening to this podcast that are like, Cass, dude, you kind of talk like that now, right? But keep in mind, that's only you Northern Northeasterners, okay? Everybody else in the United States thinks that I talk normal. Somebody right now sitting in Idaho going, Cass, no, you don't, man. But anyways, 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 anyways. So... What got me thinking was these, 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 there's a lot of lies out there and I, and I want to uncover them. Um, but there's three lies that we tell ourselves or the industry has told us and we keep telling ourselves that I want to concentrate on today. And these three lies, what I'm going to do is I have written an article and this article is, uh, out right now, or like I said, it may be. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read each one part section of the article, and then I'm going to break it down and discuss these three little lies. Okay? Are you ready? This is going to be fun. I think you're going to like it. So here's the, here's here it is. And once again, once I get done with the first lie, I'll stop and we'll discuss that lie. All right? Here it is. Three little lies that hide the big truths of insurance. I love the insurance industry and just about everything that comes with it. I love learning as I navigate the unknown successes and failures of my own business, not to mention being able to share them with you through my weekly podcast. I spend serious time thinking about the successes of my business and how this relates to your success. And more than anything, something about me loves telling you what I have found and how it's made me look at my own business, but also our industry differently. If you know me, I love to challenge the norms. Those who have challenged the world with their unique ways is something that I strive to learn and base my business and life on. With that said, let's face it, this damn business is hard. 
It's demanding. It's not always fair, and it's certainly not always right. What's tough is knowing what is right and what is fair. But here's what I found to be a constant truism. Our biggest enemy is ourselves. And if we don't recognize this, the business will be harder than it really needs to be. So while there are many myths in the industry and many lies we convince ourselves of, I want to discuss three that I think will help you once you accept them. I've learned these personally in my own business and recognized them as changed my agency for the better. I've also witnessed other agencies who have heard the lies yet refuse to believe them. And I have found that how they operate their agency is something that most of us would find great success and satisfaction in. You know why? Because they found the truths of insurance. What are the truths of insurance? These three lies that prevent the truth of insurance. Number one, truth of insurance, flexible schedule. Number two, financial freedom. Number three, a community leader, a contributor. Number four, an empire builder. And number five, a mentor. So, in my opinion, here are the three little lies that many of us have told us and that we believe that keep us from these insurance truths from being a reality. And here we go with the lies. Lie number one. We are here to help people. Yes, you are right. That is true. But the client is not who you are here to help. As an agency owner, your concern is and always will be your team. We all want to say that our employees are our greatest asset, yet few of us treat them that way. And here's the way to think about this. Your role and responsibility is to the business and your team. Your team's role and responsibility is to the client. The client's role is to purchase insurance and pay the bills. See how that flows? Working on your business and not in it. I know that you've heard that before from consultants and other agents, but when pressed for their meaning, they have a hard time giving details. But what I just laid out is it in action. Your role is to make sure that your team has the tools, the processes, the workflows, and the technology to get their job done by creating a customer experience tailored to the client. But it doesn't end there. Now that we know the roles, while in those roles, how do we make decisions? Because the decisions you make daily fall on your team to carry out. And if not carried out well, the clients will stop paying the bills. Making decisions. Now decisions need to be made and guidelines need to be created for how you and the team are going to make decisions. Many agencies say, we treat our customers the way they want to be treated. Well, and guess what? That's terrible. If you have five employees and a thousand clients, you have a 5,000 or at least thousands of different ways decisions are being made and people are being treated. To do this properly, you need a filter that you can feed ideas or problems into to make sound decisions for your business. This filter is always the same. Here's what it looks like for our agency. Number one, is it legal? Number two, is it ethical? Number three, is it in the best interest of the team? 
Number four, does it make financial sense? And number five, does it make financial sense to the agency? As an agency owner and as a team, this is the filter that we use to make sound decisions in our business. It's constant and never changing. It gives you a static foundation in a dynamic business world. Let me give you an example that ties this all together. As we begin to filter the processes, workflows, finances, technology, and other things through the filter, here's an example of a huge shift in our agency. We notice that when looking at our book and the service it requires, we notice that most of the frustration to the team and to the whole organization was the type of client we were writing. This certain segment of clients were the ones who called all the time, never received their bill, even though whenever everyone else receives theirs. They messed up our finance team because they never paid their bills. You know this crowd, right? So it seems simple that we should just eliminate those people. You know as an owner and as an agent that this is not simple. Firing a client is never easy. And when a prospect that may not fit your experience calls in for a quote, it's hard to say no to that opportunity. I get it. But remember the filter, the static, the true unbiased constant that set the rules before this situation arose. Yep, that one. So let's push this problem of a client through the filter. Is it legal to write this type of client? Sure. Is it ethical to write this type of client? Sure, not even a question. Is it good for the team to write this type of client? No. And there it is. And this means that we don't write this type of client. Less stress, less hassle, ability to concentrate on those who don't cause issues, more money. But most importantly, more important than anything, it gives your team a voice. It gives them hope. It lets them know that they now have a say in what is good and what is bad for the agency. The day of making decisions based on what side of the bed the owner or manager woke up on is over. That filter is for your business. It's for your team. Remember the people you're supposed to help? Yep, those ones. The assets. So that is right there where my first part of the article when we are trying to discuss the little lies that we all come through. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this because you can read this article and we're going to carry on this conversation as we've been having this conversation for the last month inside of the mastermind, hence where all these ideas have come from because we talk about real agency intelligence stuff inside of our mastermind, not all these other little free groups out there that you're part of and you're hearing uh, ridiculous stuff. This is the type of stuff we talk about. So what I wanted people to know is that we believe that we're here to help people. And that is true, but we're we're thinking of the wrong people. And we all need to know our roles because our roles uh, will dictate what person we're in charge of helping. When we all know that, we're all on the same page. As an agency owner, one of the stresses you have is trying to be, you're in a role of servicing the client and trying to service the team and organization. You can only do that so long. You can do it for a little bit, but after a while, you will start to suffer and the business will suffer. You have to keep that in mind. So think about and readjust your mind as to who you're trying to help. 
working on the business and not in it. We hear that all the time. What's on it mean? That means working on the business, making sure that your team has the tools that they need. That's what's important. You know, when it comes to making decisions, we discuss that. I think making decisions are very, very important because these are things that we just don't think about, but constantly sitting at our desk, looking at our computer, answering the phone, doing whatever we're doing, writing emails, we're constantly making decisions, decisions that affect our business. And as good agency owners, you should be delegating that ownership to your CSRs, to your producers, your account managers, anybody on the team so that they feel free to make those decisions. But when they feel free to make those decisions, you just can't let them do it how they want, right? I, it's a terrible analogy, but it gives it to you. We're just not going to let our cattle roam, right? We may have an, a 200-acre uh, ranch that they roam on, but we're going to delegate by using a fence where are the certain areas that they can eat and what they can do. Inside of that, they can roam and do whatever they want, but we do have to set boundaries, and upon doing that, we need to help them set guidelines like I discussed with the filter. This is very important, loyal listeners, that we understand this. Now, you notice that what we need to do is when we're setting decisions, and I'm still working on this in my agency, is that we need to set decisions from a 50,000-foot view, a 25,000-foot view, and then down at the dirt level. So let me give you an example, something that you can really dictate. Um, this is a manager, but also in something, not in everything you do every day. But this was taught to me by a man by the name of Don Jennings back in um, when I was 21 years old. I was in Fargo, North Dakota, and I was doing some training for some windows. I sold windows before I got into the insurance industry when I was 23. And he said something to me one day that was really important because I was trying to dictate, trying to think in my mind how I was going to do this or that. And, and he said, Jason, the separation that you must realize is that there's a difference between your family and there's a difference between your job. And I said, yeah, I know that. And he said, no, you don't. He said, because if you did, you'd understand that that's a high-level decision. That lets us determine how we're going to make decisions on that topic or that need from there on out. He said, let me give you an example. He said, there's only two ways to do things in life. There's the right way and there's the fair way. That's it. What's right or what's fair. And very, very rarely will you have it to where what's right and what's fair line up. But he said, when it doesn't, remember this, Jason. He says, you always do what's right in business, and you always do what's fair with your family and friends. If you keep that and you think of that, Jason, so literally for the last 20 years, I have thought of that many, many, I, I'm not just exaggerating. I have thought of that and used that over a thousand times over the last 20 years. And the reason I do this is, is it works with your employees and it works with your family and it works because we're human. What's right is to do what's right. What's fair is to do what's good with your kids, right? So it's not necessarily fair to take one kid to Six Flags and leave the other one at home, right? It's just not. Even if they haven't been doing their chores or they haven't been that good, you know, maybe one of them is getting straight A's and that's the one you decide to take. But the other one, you know, is making A's and B's and maybe C's, but they're, they're, they're not able to, to be like the other one, right? But you're thinking, hey, you know, it's just fair. Let's take them both. They're both working hard. Different results. In business, you can't think that way. In business, you have to do what's right, because if not, you'll have resentment. If 
not you'll have mutiny. Because what happens is, is the employee, and you heard me talk about this on Brett Kelly, or Brent Kelly actually talked about this on his podcast, is about subsidizing, uh, uh, a great producer subsidizing ineffective, non-great producing producers or agents. Because what happens is, is once you start getting going down that road, now that producer who's overachieving and doing what they're supposed to be doing now starts to get resentful and starts to wonder, why am I working so hard? It's kind of like a socialism uh, type mentality. Why am I so working so hard if everybody's going to get the same, right? Because we're trying to treat them fair. Somebody we may, we may give two people in our office two weeks vacation or three weeks vacation, not in our office, they have unlimited vacation, but two weeks or three weeks vacation, but yet we give somebody else five weeks vacation because they've been there longer, even though they're part-time and they barely contribute. That would be doing what's fair by giving them all the same. But by doing what's right, you're saying, or or, I'm sorry, by being what's fair is you would say, well, it's only fair because they've been here longer. No, it's only right that the people who are achieving, the owners, the job owners of the business, those who are putting their best foot forward, working at times when they shouldn't be working, those are the people that we definitely need to be looking at and those are the people we need to be supporting. So it's about doing what's fair in what doing what's right. So those are about making decisions. Now, I want you to think about that and you'll be like, man, you have a different way, a bunch of different ways of making decisions. I do because decisions are important. We teach this to our kids, that the decisions you make are going to adversely or adversely affect your life. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel. Cast certified. So this is something that we really, really, really need to concentrate on, and that's why I make making decisions. Because making decisions makes less stress for your team, and that's you working on your job. That's you working on your business. Your job is to help everybody, but your job is to help to know who's in the office's job is to help who. Know the roles. 
And that's very, very important when it comes to understanding the little lie that we tell ourselves. You are not here to help everybody. Know your rule. Know your role, excuse me. Now, let me get on to lie number two. The more companies we have, the more people we can help and the more money we can make. I'll say that again. The more companies we have, the more people we can help and the more money we can make. Figuratively, now keep in mind, I'm going to read this and then we'll circle back. Figuratively, this is true, but in practice, it's a lie. Most of us think and believe that we need many companies because there are many different types of clients with each a unique risk in their life. We believe that since we are in business to help people, please see above, we need to have a broad spectrum of companies that give us and our clients many options. This thinking is as silly as a podiatrist performing heart surgery because she is a doctor. First key that this is not true is we all know that the more options you give someone, the less likely they are to choose one. And here's the key. This is what will blow your mind. Reverse or misdirection or redirect your thinking. The someone that's getting all the options is the agency owner, not the client. With many types of options, you as an agency owner will choose neither or create stress as you choose who you are. What does that mean? You need to and should start with who you are as an agency. I hear a lot of agencies say, we do business the way the client wants to do business and see that this is the first mistake because this is actually impossible. And here are some of the symptoms of when you think we do business the way our clients want to do business. Ready? Here's some symptoms. Office environment is just crazy and hectic. Stressed out staff, low net profit, Companies on you for business. High turnover. What's a more high turnover? More than one a year per every 10 employees. High expenses. No processes or consistency. Balls being dropped and things missed. Not giving the correct advice to the client. Inconsistent customer behavior. So if your agency is like those things, you might be believing this lie. So what do you do? That's a good point. Let's, 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 let's diagnose it. A successful agency looks at who they are and the type of client they want to serve, and then you match the services and experience to that type of client. Then you are servicing the client the way they want to be treated, and best of all, your staff knows how to deliver it the best possible way. When your staff is clear on the service expected to be offered, their stress is less. When the client knows that you know their business or personal life, it creates less friction in the experience you provide them because you have chosen them, and that's a great feeling. Another reason why this is bad is the more companies you have, the less money you actually make. Yes, you read that right. The more companies, the less money. The less companies, the more money you make. Now you're thinking to yourself, why and how is this so? I'm glad you asked, because here's the answer in one word. Prode, like productive, efficient. And I know you have no idea what this means, because it's not even a word. It's actually a combination of productive and efficient. And it's a word I made up and gave definition to. And here's how you break it down. Efficient is doing the same with less, while productive is doing more with the same. Meaning, while either is good for business, the best and the goal is proficient. It means meaning doing more with less. 
That is the crux of the thought here. In other words, you want to have less companies and you'll be able to do more. And I've seen this time and time again in agencies. And the agencies that understand this make five times the money. Yes, on average, literally five times. Because they're efficient means they have low expenses. And they have larger books of business because they are productive, higher revenue, and therefore per efficient. They're getting higher revenue with less expenses. And that is the ultimate goal. So how do they do this? They know who they are. It all starts there. As mentioned above, they have decided who their customer is and they get laser focused on who that person, organization, or line of business is and what their servicing needs are. Then they build an agency around them. Mom said, if you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. And most agencies are a master of none because we're trying to be everything to everyone. The agencies I mentioned above have found that deciding who they are as an agency first then allows them to decide who is the agent they want, the services that the client demands, and the companies needed to support that client. On average, 20% of your companies produce 80% of your revenue. Less companies, more production. See, this is a lie. So going back to this and starting uh, looking at the, what we what I wrote here, the more companies you have, the more people that you can help and money you can make. We it's it's we just prove it not to be proven it not to be true. I have been in so many agencies over the last twenty four months, and I have seen the agencies that are hyper focused on two or three or four niches have less companies because what they did is they said we're going to go after this type of business. Okay, what type of service? do they expect? What type of services do they need? Okay. What companies write this type of business and also are going to be able to meet the expectations of the service, the risks, and being able to allow the agency to service that client in the way they needed to. And then that's, then they go get that client. And what it allows them to do is be more efficient and more productive. We think so opposite of this. We think so opposite of this. And what we think is, is the more companies, it's like the, I, I pick on State Farm, but let me just say, it's the State Farm guy. And if you were with State Farm or you were with a captive carrier or you were with farmers or something, this is a high probability this is probably you. And the, you sit around and you, you prospect all day, all day. And these people come in and you only have one company to quote. And so you lose all this business because uh, three out of 10, you don't write. Three out of 10, you don't write. Boom, they go out the door. Now your problem with it is, is you're saying to yourself, well, look at all this work I'm doing at prospecting and I can't write this client. If I had more of these type of people, if I had more companies, I would be able to service all these clients that come in. So what it comes down to is, is you don't want to get off your butt and actually go get the client you need because those client those co- agencies that are hyper focused that that are really tuned in to who they are. I was talking to one the other day. I'm getting ready to do a podcast with him. His name's David. He's out of Florida. Started in 2016. He picked a couple different niches. He went after him. He's got three million in revenue and a staff of I think about eight. That was in 2016. He he, he had zero zero dollars zero revenue. Started his agency, got light laser focused because he was working for another agency and he saw that they were believing the lie. And he thought, you know what? I'm not going to believe this lie. I'm going to do it differently. Boom. Three years, three million in revenue. How many of you guys would like to have three million in revenue? You don't have three million in revenue and you've been in the business for 30 years. 
This guy's been in the business for 10% of the time that you have. And to be honest with you, less stress, less hassle, better customer experience, more revenue, less companies to deal with. That means less processes, less workflows. See how that works? We all think the opposite. When in all reality, what prevents us from doing that is the fact that now that we've zeroed in and said, okay, this is our client, they're harder to find. We have to work harder to find them. But Brent Kelly, if you revert back to what Brent Kelly said, Brent Kelly said, easy, hard, hard, easy. Anything that we do in life, it doesn't matter what it is, insurance, whatever. If it's hard up front, it will get easier. If it's easy up front, it will do nothing but get harder. This is the reason why our lives are going crazy because we think this. Now, let me go on to lie number three, and so that we can wrap this up. I know I've been going a long time, but lie number three, which is a little bit shorter, but boy, I tell you what, when you understand lie number one and lie number two, lie number three will come creeping in, okay? So here's what it is. Lie number three is what I call the lie of this and that. All right, so let me read what I got here. This one is a classic lie. I've fallen victim to this many times myself. Once you start to find your agency identity and the client that your agency is best to serve, you will encounter this lie. A client calls you and wants you to write their motorcycle. You don't have any other lines of insurance with this client, so you ask him, why do you not just call his current agent for auto or home agent and get the quote from them? And regardless of what he tells you, you later find out that he's the owner of a large business in town. And when you do, here comes that little lie we tell ourselves. I know this is not my ideal client, and I know that they, that they only will have motorcycle with my agency, but, here it comes, if I help them with this and do a good job, then I will get that business or that auto or that home. Wrong. This very rarely happens. Sometimes the client used you for a reason, to put, you, to put it with you knowing that he or she had no intention of ever giving you the opportunity on the other lines of business. So let's just say that happens like 20 to 30% of the time. Like they're using you, they have their own motive. That just happens no matter what, okay? But most of the time, the reason why you never get that after writing this is because of you, the agent, you, the agency owner. You write the motorcycle to help the client, and then life happens, and the phone rings again, and you get busy, and the time goes by, and you never call across sell the other lines. If you write business this way, and right now you're screaming at me because this and that is something you actively do and has earned you the whole account and many other times, know that you're the exception, like 5% of the agents out there. But if you're the other 95% of the agents out there, you know what I mean. I've lived this lie every time this situation arose for the last 18 years. So the question is, why don't we cross-sell that account? There are many reasons why this might be so, but let me give you the big one. The granddaddy of them all. The main reinforcer to this crazy lie. It's called discomfort. You're thinking, what? Discomfort? I teach this in the Commercial Lines Producers Sales Course that I teamed up with Total CSR. And the reason we feel this discomfort while prospecting, and it's the same discomfort here. I know this seems crazy, but here's what the discomfort is that will change your life when you understand this. The discomfort is not wanting to interrupt people. 
I know this seems crazy, but this is a tribal instinct that holds us back in many areas of our life and sales career. When you interrupt someone, you don't know the response you will get from them being disrupted by you and not knowing this causes anxiety and then the fear in our minds. And keep in mind, fear is nothing but facts, evidence appearing real. Facts and evidence that are appearing real is fear. So you may question yourself, and that and that's my article. I've got some other things that I want to read there, but but here, let, let's tune into here for loyal listeners for a minute. You may be saying to yourself, so Jason, you're telling me I don't like picking up the phone or I don't like trying to cross-sell somebody because I have a fear of, of a discomfort, okay? Understand that, that what creates fear is anxiety, okay? What creates anxiety is unknowing. When you don't know something or you're unsure about something, it gives you anxiety when you encounter it. And if it gives you too much anxiety, it gives you fear. It's kind of that fight or flight or freeze type thing. That's, that's where that comes about. And so what happens is I will, I will challenge you right now. Go to your management system or get somebody in your office to go to your management system, look up an account that has an auto with no home or home with no auto, and tell them to pick up the phone and cross-sell that account. Keep in mind, this is a client of yours already. How many of you immediately start to feel that anxiety? How many of you immediately start to feel the unknown, right? And the anxiety builds in. And then all of a sudden, this, all these ideas and these thoughts about why this won't work start racing into your head. Keep in mind, this is not a cold call. This is a client that does business with you already. The amazing thing is, is picking that phone up and calling that client or picking the phone up and calling that prospect in your brain is no different. It's no different whatsoever. Now, if the client is a good friend of yours or they just wrote you a review or something like that, you can trick your brain for a little bit. But if they write you a review today, a year from now, your brain will build that same anxiety because it'll start thinking to themselves, well, what if something's changed? What if we messed up in the last year and we just didn't know about it? And that comes out because it's unknown. Don't believe the lie of this and that. And if you do, and you decide that this is what you're going to do, you're going to have to have a great follow-up system. Great follow-up systems can help you get over this and that. But here's what I say. Don't write this if you have to get that. You need to write all of this and that from the get-go. If they don't want to play the, the rules of the game that you set, then they need to go find another game to play because you're going to find people who want to play your rules. You're going to find out who you need to help as your team, and then your team is going to help the people. You're going to find out that the companies and the people that you've decided who you're going to go after don't play the game of this and that. They just let you have all of this and that. So now I'm going to end it by saying this. One of the biggest lies of all, after I'm, as I'm telling you this, as I'm reading you this podcast, I'm reading you this article I wrote, and discussing this with you, there's been a lie you've been telling yourself since the first lie. As you're driving down the road, swimming, running, however you're listening to this, in your office, if you're Andrew Mueller and you're pumping iron right now, here's the lie you've been telling yourself. I, I promise you, you've been saying this. This can't happen in my town. I have an agency with a deep history, and, and that just couldn't work. 
these agencies Jason is mentioning are probably in a geographic area that allows all these options and to be able to find these prospects in a small area. Understand you've been telling yourself of some form of that as to why this doesn't work. What you're doing is you're actually trying to defend the lies that the industry has told you. I don't expect you to change your mind tomorrow. I don't expect you to change the game next week. But I want you to do is I want you to start questioning these things as they start to creep in. I want you to bring this up to your staff. I want you to have them listen to this so that they understand where you're going. See, it's always great. I always say this a lot. It's Sometimes it's better for my son. I remember I coached my son all the way up to sixth grade in all of his sports. Some of his best years that he ever had was his seventh and eighth grade years because I had given him the foundation, but it had come to a point in time where he, it was just dad, right? But he got in with his sixth grade and seventh grade coach who started teaching him and allowing him to see things from a different angle, a different point of view, and it wasn't dad telling him, and he listened. And that's where this podcast can be a benefit to you. So as you're in your team meeting and you're talking with your client and talking with your staff, keep in mind all these little lies about why this can't happen and why this isn't true and where all the exceptions are to these lies. They're telling themselves this as you're telling it. But have this discussion. Have these thoughts because this is very, very vital. I'm going to be rolling out a lot of more little lies that we tell ourselves in the, in the future, and so stay tuned. I will tell you one of the next little lies that I'm talking about is I'm going to talk about the lies of retention, the lies of retention. Now, it's going to take me a couple months to get it together because i got to think all this through, but I'll just give you one of them. The lies of retention that says the highest, the higher the retention rate, the more successful you are and the better things are. It's actually not true. Um, I'm willing to bet that less than 5% of people actually know their retention. Like you could say, oh, I know it, it's this or that. Like, no, literally, I came to you and said, hey, if you're not within two points of being correct in your retention, um, you would lose your agency. Are you willing to make that just a bet with me? No one's going to do that because they know that they don't have the software, they don't have the technology, they don't have the workflows or procedures or processes to actually track it. You just know this, and that's fine. That's fine. We just we'll start working on that as well. But my mentor used to always say, he used to say, the business that stays is the business that pays. And he used to always flip in and say, the business that pays is the business that stays. How many of you have unprofitable business? How many of you would like to fire a client? Those people are paying you, but it doesn't necessarily mean they need to stay. And those people may be paying you, but that doesn't mean that you're seeing any of it at the end of the day as far as on your profit and your balance sheet. So think about that. Retention is overrated. If you're a new agency or you just bought an agency in the last two or three years and your retention is 84%, that's probably not a bad thing. Because what you're doing is, is you're bringing in your culture, you're bringing in your brand, right? You're focusing in on who your people are and you're shedding all the others. Now, if you believe, if you go buy a new agency and you believe the lie, especially number two of the prior, you believe that you're there to help everybody, which is lie number one, and that you need a lot of clients to be able to do that, and then we just start going right back down that road, and we start believing that the business that stays is the business that pays. 
There's a bunch of lies that the industry tells us about retention, and we're going to get to the bottom of those. But in the meantime, this has been Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence Podcast talking to you today about the three little lies that hold us back from the big insurance truths. Keep in mind, those big insurance truths are flexible schedule, financial freedom, community leader or contributor, empire builder, and mentor. Those are five things that will, that the insurance industry is built for to give you success. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence Podcast. I'm out.